Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to be with you on this Tuesday, June the 16th of 2020. What a delight and and to have you uh, join us today, uh, wherever you may be at, whatever part of the world you may be at. We thank you for uh, joining us uh, in the study of the word and, and what God is showing us. You know, so many things have happened. We were talking right before uh, this podcast. We were speaking amongst ourselves and and just all the things that have happened and are happening even as we speak at this moment, uh, all the things that are taking place. And it looks like the world is in a whirlwind. You know, there's, you know, I remember uh, Brother Marty in, at the beginning of these podcasts a few months ago, you know, the warning came by the Spirit of the Lord that we would wake up to a world, to a new world. And definitely those words could not be more truer than now. Do you know that as we speak right now, there is a dust wind that's coming. We read the news all the way from Africa, and it's making its way to the United States. Uh, that's aside from all the chaos that's going on and the natural disasters I mean, things are continually happening, and and we are the generation that are that are 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 seeing the things that the Bible prophesied would take place in these last days. So I think more than ever before, I say this to confirm and and to tell you that more than ever, these podcasts, the study of the word, uh, is so important as it relates to prophecy as it relates to the end times, as it relates to the days that we are living. We are seeing a transformation, a shifting, but uh, we still, more than ever before, must declare the word of the Lord, must declare and give the warning and preach Jesus is coming back again and preach repentance. And I believe that um, with your prayers, God would allow us to reach and go as far as he would want us to go in this hour. We solicit your prayers. Pray for us that God would help us as we pray for you. What a delight today to be here with our with our uh, our, our panel today with Brother Marty, Brother Fernando, and Brother Jeremiah. As I always say, it's always a pleasure to study the Word of God together, and an honor to do it at such a time like this. Without further ado, Brother Marty, we want you to share what God has placed in your heart as we study the word of God together. Well, praise the Lord. <clears throat> it's good to be back again in this crazy old world. At least we're breeding. So things are looking up. <laughs> so anyway, uh, as we, those of you who have been with us, you know that we've been uh, discussing the days of Noah. And uh, as we, uh, as we come to the seventh part of our series on, on the days of Noah, uh, uh, we'll probably be bringing it to a close today for now, at least, until the Lord takes us back there. But uh, we're going to finish our series today. Uh, again, I encourage you to go back and listen. There's seven parts to it. and Every day was a very unique exploration uh, of the things of, of Noah. And, and so we're going we're gonna to conclude today and bring it to a conclusion. And, and I think we'll see some things as we go forward in the days ahead that that apply to our time. And so we're going to be coming to you from the book of Hebrews chapter 11, 
verse 6 and 7. And, and Brother Jeremy, could you read that to us as we begin our study today? Yes. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Praise God. Amen. Amen. So what we're going to do today is, is uh, you know, bring, a, like I said again, bring this seven-part series to a close for now. <clears throat> but let, let's reflect on the final aspects of, of what Hebrews is revealing to us. Happened to Noah, the man, to his family. Yesterday we looked at the types and shadows of Noah as Christ, which was, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. It was a very interesting study, which I thoroughly enjoyed, but here we are today. Yeah. Well, now we're going to look at Noah as just his humanity and his family and what he was going through. Remember, uh, we're looking at great reflection at Noah's life because it's what the Lord told us to do. In Luke chapter 17, verse 26, remember where we started these podcasts seven days ago or so, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the day of the Son of Man. So Jesus basically was revealing to his disciples at that time that, that the final generation would would uh, be alerted to the imminent return of the Lord based on the the kinds of conditions that were existing uh, at, the, at, the, at the days of Noah. So he drew our attention to Noah, and that's why we've been looking at him. And <clears throat> we're going to continue today, but... But before we get into uh, verse 7, which talks about Noah preparing the ark and so forth and so on, I want to look at verse 6 because it's connected. And, 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 and really, Hebrews chapter 11, like we've talked about before, it, it's, it's the great hall of fame, if you will, uh, of faith. It's, it's the great declaration and really meant to be an inspiration to every generation as you read the accounts of the great of saints of old and the emphasis as you go through the stories of all the different saints that are mentioned there is really that each and every single one of them found themselves in crisis moments in their generation and at their time that required uh, a response to their times and it would be a response that was given to them by divine instruction and divine uh, inspiration as they sought God. I want to look at something real quick here before we get into verse 6. Let's read verse 1 through 3. I'm going to read that to you. Uh, chapter 11, verse 1 through 3, it says, Now faith is the substance of things that is hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen are not made of things which do appear. So what's interesting there in verse 3 is is Paul, and I believe, you know, we don't even have to debate it. Some people debate who wrote this, but it's actually Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. 
he says something very profound. He says, faith, by faith, we understand that the world, and that word world literally means ages, the ages or the dispensations of time throughout the ages, not just the last 6,000 years, but the multiple ages that existed prior to humanity even being on the face of the earth. He says, we understand that, that those ages were framed by the word of God. And we know that the word of God is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the master builder. What's revealed there, if we can just dig in there for a moment, and because it applies to what we're talking about, is that everything that is meant to be that can be seen or discerned with the physical eye has its limitations, its boundaries, its its foundations, its walls, if you will, its beginning and endings, all under the control of God, so that everything is happening according to how he designed it to be. And so when it says we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, he's literally saying, understand that whatever condition you may find yourself in at whatever given time or age in history or even before history or in that which is yet to come, understand that it is God that has ordered it. He has set its boundaries, its beginnings, its middles, and its conclusions. And that's why he says, the things which are seen were not made of the things which do appear. In other words, he's laying forth the premise that how we react to what we see must be understood for the child of God in the respect that it has its its limitations, its boundaries, and its conclusions, beginnings and middles and endings, all under the direction, the guidance, and the predetermined counsel and will of Almighty God. And that, in light of this fallen creation, until the culmination of all things, is to become the anchor to our soul. And that's what he means by faith. Faith is the substance of things that we're hoping for. In other words, it is that certainty and inner conviction of the truth of what is revealed. And the fact that we have that moving and stirring in our spirit is an evidence that what we're hoping for really is true. So you can chew on that and wake up at three in the morning yeah. and go, wow, I get it. It's, go ahead. <laughs> look, the only thing, the only thing given to us, um, to man, or that man has to exhibit, or that connects us or unlocks the unseen world, is faith. Yes. That's what he's yeah. saying. Yes. Think about that for a moment. Faith is the only thing that we have that allows us to see into the mystery of God, the unseen mystery of God that is only revealed by the spirit. It is through faith. That's powerful. God designed it that way. Yes. It pleases him, right? And and it yes. is how he chooses to reveal himself. It, it, it is what you just said, Brother Fernando said it very well. It is the key that unlocks the the dimensional door if you will into the realm yes where god is <laughs> and he yeah, set it up it. that's all he right? left it that's all he left yes correct yes and yet we know from other scriptures that he's left a host of evidence that he is mm-hmm. right amen and he he said that's why he says the things which we see 
understand they're not made by the things which do appear. In other words, the material universe itself, which is what we see, is meant and designed to reveal some to, something to us, and not only us, but all of humanity. Brother Fernando, you have your Bible there? Yes. Can you read the, that scripture we're talking about in Romans chapter 1, where Paul lays that very thing out, Romans chapter 1, where he speaks of the creation. When uh, verse said, 20, of the invisible things yeah. have Okay, yeah. verse 20. That's good. Verse 20. It says, for, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. excuse. So he, excuse. he's talking about a what what they, they this fancy term in Bible college, what they always talk about. They call it general revelation. That which is is understood or should be understood as is being revealed here in the book of Romans by all humanity. That's why when people have the question, well, what about, you know, the guy in the jungles of Africa, right? He's never heard the gospel. You know, how is he going to be judged? How is it fair to him, right? Well, that's what Paul's talking about here is that every human being on the face of the planet has been left, uh, you know, evidence of a creator. And what's really powerful is that he says, what can be understood about the creation of the world, that is the galaxy, and how much even more now in our generation, right? I mean, we we have been able to peer all the way back to the beginning of creation and beyond uh, if you if you ex- extrapolated outwards to the edge of creation, and the and the right. hundreds of billions of galaxies that we see that are all moving in a perfect and symmetrical and balanced way bringing about uh you know the stability that keeps galaxies together and planets rotating around the sun all that kind of stuff he says that 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 there's things if you look at it that can be understood about god one is his eternal power and it's interesting because he says that the godhead is revealed by the creation yes the trinity right. itself Right. That's really we got time to get into all that, but but it's very profound. And then he says, so that they're without excuse. In other words, so that even the guy in Africa, he cannot say, I didn't know there was a God. Because God has not left himself without witness. It almost sounds like doublespeak, right? When verse 20, when he says the invisible things of him by or from the creation of the world are clearly seen. It's really, it's a, <laughs> invisible things can be seen, the invisible <laughs> things of him, right? The invisible mm-hmm. things of him can be seen by what he has brought into being substance or material creation. That's what he's saying. And, and, and they are understood by the things that are made. That's us. Right. It's, it, he's talking about consciousness, soul. Yes. Yes. Can I add something to it, Brother Brother Marty? And I and I stand to be corrected, but I, you know, when when we read the Bible from the beginning, it never sets out to prove that there is a God. It's just it's always been a simple fact and known that there is God from the from the very first verse in the beginning. God created right the heavens yeah. and the earth. So what what that tells me too, what you, what we just read in Romans, that even an atheist who claims that there is no God 
you know, the Bible says a fool says in his heart there is no God. It's not that they don't it's it's not that they don't believe that there is a God, it's that, that they don't want to believe. <laughs> right. So <laughs> so, yeah. you know, the it's 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 only a fool in his heart says there is no God, but not because they don't believe in God. No. They don't want to believe in a God. But the evidence is there. I just wanted to Yeah, yeah that. and that's no, that's really good because that's what he says in, in that's what we just read in Hebrews eleven, right? The evidence of things not seen. The evidence is there. The evidence is that the things that aren't seen do exist. And Paul begins by right. first laying out the premise that how you determine that is by the creation itself. You know, the yes. cons- what we learn and what we learn from that, and I don't want to go too far off on this, but other than to say, for instance, none of us went to bed last night freaking out because we weren't sure if the sun was going to come up. I mean, we, we right? like, oh my God, I wonder if, hey, I wonder if the sun's coming up tomorrow. No, we didn't even think about it. <clears throat> Why? Because we know that it will. It always has. Well, if you just camp there and begin to think, because God is saying, you can learn something about me. I'm, I'm there. I've always been there. I was there before you even knew I was there. I'm there the entirety of your life. And when you breathe your last breath, I'm still going to be there. The sun yes. itself testifies to the eternal power of God, right? And his yes. consistency. His consistency. Yes. So there's so many things we can learn from that. And why that's important, what you pointed out, Brother Jeremy, about the atheist says there is no God. That is precisely what we're talking about today. And and, and let's let's start with verse 6 of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, because, because it says, He that cometh to God must believe that he is right mm. and and we're talking about in in relation to Noah in a measure really it speaks of you know times that are absent faith in God or or living in a society that doesn't necessarily even acknowledge God or believe that he is like in our vaunted scientific world they come up with multiple theories of of existence and matter and all kinds of stuff all designed to keep them from admitting or at least uh, acknowledging that that this this is this is undeniably speaking of some sort of intelligent creation or design whatever word you want to use they try very hard not to acknowledge that but everything is pointing them to it because the more that they create their vaunted instrumentation that's able to measure creation itself the more that they begin to see just how perfectly uh, functioning the universe is and, and that it, it engenders the, the fact that this could not be uh, by accident, that there seems right. to be intent and there seems to be purpose behind even the smallest things that we can detect underneath the microscope to the largest things that we observe with our telescopes in all directions in the universe. So, But in this case, he that cometh to God must believe that he is. In a measure, it's really speaking of, the, uh, of a society in relation to Noah, right? Because he goes on in verse 7 to connect it to Noah, that, that they were times in a generation that was absent true faith in God. In Noah's case, it reveals his, his, his heart in a society that lived as if there was no God. 
You know, he was, uh, he represents a remnant, right? And it's really incredible to me because it reveals that he comes to God. Because remember, the world of Noah's day, it, it was much like our day. His day was in much. such decline, right? There was so much yeah. violence and perversions, idolatry, the occult, the falling away of his own brothers and sisters. It seemed like a world without consequence. You know, the attitude is, okay, man, you live, you die, right? <laughs> What's the difference? Yeah. You know, it's all about the here and the now. But Noah, on the other hand, and this is what fascinates me, he concluded something, I don't know how to say it, at an absolute mind and heart level. He came to the conclusion in the midst of that kind of society yes. that there is a God, that there is a God. And, and, and that's why I think verse 6 exists in Hebrews where he says that he must first believe that he is, because it goes into verse 7, right? He's really talking about Abel, Enoch, and then he goes into Noah and Abraham in this 11th chapter, but we're dealing with Noah. So from this, we can understand that Noah came to that place at a very deep level in his mind and his heart about God, that there was a God. And and we have to ask the question, what does it mean to truly believe that he is? You know, we can let's just reflect a little bit on this because it really opens up many avenues of reflection when we think about that statement, must believe that he is. You know, for me, first it produces, you know, that awe inspiring how do you say it, that awe inspiring sense that there's something greater. See, this is <laughs> this is the nuts and bolts of 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 soul spirit not too often do we ever reflect on the fact that we had a beginning that is each individual personality that lives on the planet i mean my, me me <laughs> you guys listening you my brothers we had a finite point of origination fancy way of saying we were born and and then we come to if we're healthy and all that, right, mentally and all that, just you know, we come to an awareness of self. But to really dig there and to ponder such things, what consciousness is, what being sentient is all about. That's why Paul was talking about being understood by the things that are made. It's an incredible statement. It's a fascinating thing. John puts it as it relates to the Lord Jesus Christ this way. He says that Christ Jesus came and, and in essence is the light that lighteth every man, the way he put it, John chapter 1, every man that cometh into the world, implying that without Christ in the world, without God in the world, men are plunged into an, an eternal darkness. There is no rhyme, there is no reason, there is no, um, you know, there is nothing that matters. This is the Darwinian point of view. This is that life springs out of, out of chance and that it's the survival of the fittest. And that's what Paul goes on to argue in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 where he says, look, 
if we're believing in this resurrection, this eternal life, and all this stuff that the that the Word of God tells us, and and it's only good for us now in this life, and there really is no resurrection of the dead, he says, then we are truly the most miserable of creatures. He goes, so what's the right. difference? He says, you might as well eat, drink, and be merry, man, because tomorrow you die, and that's it. Right. But think of this, because Paul said what we glean and what Noah and everyone who's ever interacted with God came to an understanding. First, God lays out the creation, and if we take the time, which he draws us to our, to himself, if we take the time to follow that inner quality of, of, of moment where we, where we begin to wonder, and the world itself works overtime to take that wonder, to take that awe, to take that questioning innocence of a child and inundate it with so much information that is anything but God that eventually we lose that quality of of wonder and awe and questioning which God designed to draw us to himself. And so when it says to truly believe that he is, it's speaking of producing that awe-inspiring sense that there is something greater, something that gives meaning and purpose. There must be more than than the madness I see all around me. That's kind of what Noah was saying, right? I mean, I got me, I got my sons, I got my wife, and they, and their three wives. There's only eight of us, and 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 all my brothers and sisters that came from my daddy Lamech, they 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 could care less. They have been so caught up in the culture that they don't even take the time to reflect on on the wonder, the splendor. And and it's quite the opposite. Two things are happening to Noah. One, I see the magnificence of this universe. I see everything that is testifying to me that there is something greater. I believe that he is. And and two, the, the entirety of creation is corrupt. And, and 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 the earth is filled with violence, society's coming apart at the seams. The two working together produced in Noah a reflective moment. For us it's that you know, it's that undefinable voice. Something because remember what Jesus said, Hey, he that come uh, no man can come to me except the Father draws him, right? So when it says that he that cometh to God Right, that 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 phrase cometh to God. We know from other scripture that is initiated by the Spirit of God. It is God that draws us to Himself. But then it's interesting how it puts it there. Right, He that cometh to God must believe that He is. That's the first thing. But the drawing, which is by by grace, right? It is grace that leads us to repentance. It is the Spirit that draws us. But the choice is ours. What is it that brought us to him? Why are you saved? Why am I saved? Even before we knew the gospel, there was something on the inside of us. It was the, it was the fingerprint of God in the heart, eternity set in the heart. That's why we started out talking about, you know, the creation testifying of God. And what about the guy in Africa in the jungle, right? Because what Paul goes on to argue is that he's going to be judged, whether he heard the gospel or not, by what he did with the voice of the conscience in his heart. He'll either be excused 
or, or accused based on the decisions he made by the conscience that was put in his heart. That's why, brother, you can go to Africa, which I've been. You can go to South and Central America, which I've been. You can go to China. You can go to Russia. I've been all those places with my family, too. But every person everywhere has something on the inside of them where, or you heard that phrase, you know, I crossed the line, right? I mean, every man has a conscience. And and that is the that is what we will be judged on if you've never heard the gospel. But those who have been drawn to God, he that cometh to God, that is a work of the Spirit. And the whole pantheon of faith that we're reading in, in, in Hebrews 11 and in Noah's case, who's, who we're examining, they all had the same experience. The Spirit of God began to move and speak to the innermost part of their soul like he did with you, like he did with me, like he's doing right now. It's the undefinable voice in the depth of our soul, in our heart, calling us. It's the divine invitation. Yeah. In our case, like like Brother Fernando read yesterday, right, uh, in Hebrews chapter 1, he said that God hath spoken in these last days to us by his Son, right, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's speaking. And is drawing us. The issue is, are we going to be like Noah? Because that's the process. That's it's very difficult to describe, you know, and, and jump in any time and help me out here. But it's brother, that trans, it's that transition that takes place, brother, between the the wooing and the choice of affirmation in God. He does exist, and out of that mm-hmm. belief. I then begin to adjust myself accordingly. Go ahead. An awareness yeah. took place in all these men that are mentioned in yeah. Hebrews 11 of 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 something not seen. Or what it says in Hebrews 1 says the evidence. They begin to see evidence of things not seen. Mm-hmm. They begin to have an awareness that there was more to this uh, uh, limited world, so to speak. You know, yes. that's, that's in time and space, this, this dimensional world, of uh, material world that we find ourselves in. They begin to be, like you said, God begin to call on them, begin to speak to their spirit, begin to call them and deep calls them to deep. And, and they begin to see the evidence in the natural that there is a God that exists, that there yeah. is a world that exists that is not seen, Right. And and that's where it begins. We ha- and that's really what the gospel is. We've been translated from the kingdom of darkness to to the kingdom of of light, the kingdom of of, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And that and that's what we're trying to to bring forth to each and one of you that we have to think this way. There's more that meets the eye than what we see in this world. That much is clear. Yeah. The Bible is replete with evidence of that. We spoke about Ephesians 6. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities, spiritual wickedness in high places, the rulers of darkness of this world. We spoke about how we're seated in heavenly places. This, this is what the men of God, uh, uh, what they entered into, right? It says of Abraham that he sought a city whose builder and maker was God. It was not of this world. An awareness came over him and began to understand that, wait a minute. There's, 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 this, this material world is, 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 is here for a moment. What's real, what's real is what cannot be seen. 
because that's yeah. what awaits me in the future. Right? So yeah, yeah. and that's that's where the, the I think the ministers have failed um in, in, in really, really uh teaching the body of Christ that that yes, you know, we're in this world but we're not of this world. You know, we're completely not of this world. And and that's where Noah came to, I think. You know, he saw the society in his day going crazy, but but he began to see the evidence you know, of yeah. things not seen, he began to look for something much greater, right? A new beginning, so to speak. And yeah. and so this is where these men of God uh, uh, begin to really, really uh, faith, you know, that, that word faith, that's where faith can, faith is this, uh, things hope, what was, how does it say? The substance of things hope for, right? The evidence of right. things right. not seen. Yes. Right. Brother Jeremy, you, you know, were going to um, say? Yeah, you know, we, we have a point of reference to in, uh, what Solomon said in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, verse 11. I'm going to read it from the NIV because I like the way the way the NIV declares it. He says, he has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet right. no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning to to end. So the very least, we know that God has left a whole uh, uh, something in our hearts that longs for that. What we're talking about, right? It's up to yeah. us to, you know. So, so we know that that's in man. That, that that's what that's that's what I understand. Um, that Solomon says that he has set eternity in the human heart, a longing for those uh, to know that there's something more, right? Yeah, and that's that's the part that that we're searching. To, uh, to 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 adequately you know describe because it is so profound in its in its implications uh, that that very rarely have I ever come across you know there's not enough poets in the world to <laughs> to, to write about it you know there's not enough you know great orators to describe it I mean how could we really because it's it's an eternal thing trying to be uh, described by by a uh, by a by a by a creature like me that has a beginning and an end, right? And so, right. but what what's being put forth is an invitation to no end, to an eternity, mm. and and it's that voice that calls us from the time that we are born. Uh, even as he spoke to Jeremiah, what we talked a few weeks ago, where he said, "You know, I knew you." Before you were in your mother's womb, before you were even born, before you even had flesh and blood, before you were you were you know a sperm and an egg, and boom, you began. I knew you. I knew the quality of soul uh, when I breathed into Adam that you would be the see, <laughs> the entirety of the human race was deposited into one vessel the adam the first the first man created in the image of god we all existed in him at one time and the bible says god exhaled into him the entirety of the human race so every soul the bible gives us hints at that when it talks about uh in the book of hebrews when it lays forth the premise that jesus has a greater priesthood than levi Right when he said that, and and how he laid forth that case was when Father Abraham, having returned from the victory 
uh, of destroying the, the five kings in Genesis, uh, where he rescued Lot, who had been taken captive. He comes back and he pays tithes to the priest Melchizedek. And, and Paul uses that as an argument to show how Abraham, who the children of Israel claimed to be their father, uh, acquiesced to a higher priesthood. And he said, in essence, Levi was in the loins of Abraham, was in the genetic pool of Abraham hundreds of years right. before he was ever born. But in the eyes of God, Abraham paying tithes to this priest called Melchizedek, who Jesus is is said to be after the order of Melchizedek, it was showing in the eyes of God that Levi was subservient to Melchizedek, just like the law would be subservient to grace, so forth and so on. The point being is that we have a soul existing within the genetic pool that that in God's eyes is already existing. And when we were born, he begins the process of bringing us to himself. And, and that's what we're talking about is that moment where we become absorbed with belief. And, and, and the evidence are all the little things that happened in our life that serve to convince us that someone beyond the veil, someone or something is calling you. Yeah, right. Right? <laughs> and so when we read it, what you read yesterday uh, in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2, that that, that call now to humanity has been fully realized in Christ Jesus, that in the fullness of times, God has spoken in these last days, he says, this is the last way I'm going to talk to all humanity, is I will send my son. And and therein, we, we either believe or reject what has been revealed to us by the son. So Noah comes to the place where we were talking about it earlier, and so has every man of God, like you were talking about earlier, they are drawn to God. He that cometh to God, that coming to God is an act of God that he initiates. And how he initiates it is by all the component parts of our life experience. Like a pinball, right? I mean, you're bouncing up of this to that to this. But all along the way, it's his way of bringing you to himself. For some, it's crisis moments. You know, you hear the, the right. AA guy go, you know, I reached bottom, man, I hit bottom. You know, to others, <laughs> they're a lot smarter than, than than I was, like Brother Jeremy, who who served God since he was little. <laughs> so God was able to right. get a hold of him sooner. But nonetheless, where we were born, who we were born to, what community we grew up in, and every intricate relationship in our time that we find ourselves alive works together collectively in every event that takes place in my life. The whole time God has been moving to bring me to that crisis moment, if you will, where suddenly I realize he's been calling me all along. And it's that difficult place right there because it's the transition from mere information, yeah. right, to a heart realization. And it's it's that wherein we become born again, right? You must be born from above, Jesus said. So we could talk about that at length, but hopefully we kind of give a flavor of what happened here. That Noah, in the midst of his society, it worked to produce an even greater level of faith. And and, and so he believed that he was. And in, in the belief of, of God being, 
it brings us into an account. If we really believe that he is, then the ramifications of it are astounding because it means we have somebody that has a will, a purpose, and a definable set of parameters that I need to get to know. Isaiah says something really interesting. You want to look at that real quick? It's in Isaiah chapter 25. Let's go over there real quick to kind of put a little a little more uh, seasoning on what we're trying to say here. Um, <clears throat> let's see. I think it's 25. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Are you there? Yes. Isaiah 25. Um, this is speaking of the return of the Lord. Now read to us verse 8 and 9, would you, Brother Jeremy? Yes. He will swallow up death in victory, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from off, off all faces, and the rebuke of his people shall he take away from off all the earth, for the Lord hath spoken it. And it shall be said in that day, Lo, this is our God. We have waited for him, and he will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. We will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Check that out, because it's easy to miss what's being said here. Isaiah, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and you can read it you know, at your own time, but he's literally talking about the second coming of the Lord. He's talking about Armageddon in verse 7. He's talking about the culmination of human history. He's talking about Jesus coming, appearing, and putting down all rebellion and, 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 and removing all evil. It, it really is a type of what happened in Noah's day, right? Because he brought judgment upon the face of the earth because of the way they were acting. But what fascinates me here is when he returns in verse 9, it talks about a collective group of people that are alive in that generation. And they say in verse 9, it shall be said in that day, lo, this is our God. This is our God. And, and we have waited for him. He's going to save us. We've waited for him. It, they're literally saying, <clears throat> which is what we're talking about, they know who he is. We will know him because we will have become absolutely familiar with him before we ever see him. <laughs> this is, this is, this is, how do they know it's his? Because we know in, in the book of Revelation that when Jesus actually returns, the world is going to think it's some kind of alien invasion and, and try to blow Jesus out of the sky. Right? Do you know that scripture I'm talking about? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do recall. <laughs> it's in the, I think it's in in uh, in Revelation chapter twenty. Go over there real quick. Revelation twenty. Now I'm really off, right? Now go over there and check this out. Are you there? On uh, nineteen. Yes, we're there. Okay, so read this in verse nineteen because I just told you they're going to think Jesus, his second coming, is some kind of alien invasion, and they're going to try and blow him out of the sky. Read verse nineteen to us, brother Jeremy. It says. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the on the horse and against his army. Check that out. So we have the, the population of the planet is going to try and make war with the Lord Jesus Christ and his angelic host and his church when he returns. They're going to try and blow him out of the sky. 
But right. the ones we just read about, they're going to know exactly who he is. They're going to say, that's yes. Jesus. That's our God. I know him yes. because he yes. talks to me. He's real. He's been oh, leading yes. me all along. Do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. It. It's, it's profound. Yes. And and that's why it's beautiful. Remember what Jesus said to Thomas, right? He said, here, put your hands in the nails and the scars that are in my hand. And, and Thomas falls down and says, my Lord, my God. And he says, you believe, Thomas, because you've seen. But what does he say? Blessed are those who believe and yet have not seen. So he's talking about a higher level of communication with the Father, that indefinable drawing, it cometh to God. It's the coming process that gives way to the believing that he is. And that is a beautiful thing. And many of you out there have had those experiences. You know what we're talking about. You came to Jesus because he drew you to himself. And there was that moment when you suddenly realized, like a, like a thousand sunrises, he's real. And he's my Lord. And he forgives me. And he saves my soul. And and from that point on, the enemy works overtime trying to take away that moment of brilliant clarity of the revelation of who he really is. And 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 that's what we fight against, right? So he that cometh to God must believe that he is back to uh, Hebrews eleven verse six, and we're gonna hurry here and 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 and, and there's two components, right? You gotta believe that he is <clears throat> and and in Hebrews eleven six it says, and that he's a rewarder. Of them that diligently seek him. So <laughs> this is where the whole charismatic and false church has gotten off. Because he they they want the reward. They think that coming to God is about, you know, having a better house, having a better car, you know, having the trophy wife and the three point six kids that get straight A's in school and my business is on fire and I'm you know, uh, they, they they come to God for the reward. Jesus told them who came, he said, you didn't come because you saw the miracle, which testifies that I'm the Messiah. You came because you want more fishes and bread, right? right. <laughs> you just want a welfare state. You want me to just give you your material needs. But see, he that cometh to God must believe that he's a rewarder of them that diligently do what? Seek him. Seek him. Mm. Seek God himself. Not for what God can do for you. Not for what God can give you. Not for what you need at the moment, but this is that group alive just prior to the judgment of God falling on the earth that begins like Noah did to seek him for him. To diligently seek means to search for him in worship, to pursue that that one. Paul uses the language to try and apprehend the one who apprehended me. He, he, his whole life was, was a quest trying to lay hold of the one who's got a hold of his heart. I know him. He, he's here. I see him there. I see him everywhere. I hear him in the, in, in, in the laughter of a child. I see him in the, in the marvelous, you know, one of millions of sunsets that have taken place across the landscape of my lifetime. I, 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 I see him in the, in the cool breeze that he sends on a hot day or, or in the piece of bread that I suddenly had that I didn't have when I was hungry, or in the love I see 
in my relationships with my wife, my children, whatever example you want to give, I'm searching for that one. You know, those are all the evidences of the one that's not seen, that he's there and he's blessing and he's wooing and he's calling and I'm in pursuit of him. Not what he can give me, but him. I need him, right. the one who made me, right? So to diligently seek is to search for him in worship and in, and in extreme pursuit of him. Not for anything, but for him. So what was the reward, right? What was Noah's reward? That brings us to verse 7. His reward was Noah was warned of God, right? <laughs> that was his reward. In his intimate pursuit of God and seeking to apprehend God and get a hold of the one uh, that he believes it is, and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, his reward was he was warned of God. That was born out of intimacy. Remember, he received his divine revelation of his times, his generation, and what he needed to do. See, this is our great need right now. The word uh, warned of God also has a meaning, and I was looking up this morning, the word warned. Also, not only was he warned of what he needed to do, but in that word is also something that, that puts someone to business like being about the business of God. In other words, he received his calling. At the same time that he was warned, he also received a calling. In other words, specific instructions of what he was to do during his times and within his culture, just prior to the coming of the judgment of God. He was warned of God through his intimate seeking of God, produced out of the climate he found himself living in, a violent, oppressive, occultic, perverted time. Where, where it seemed like no one even believed in God anymore, but all of that triggered with him, in him of an understanding by the Spirit of God wooing him that, yes, he's real, and yes, something's about to go down, and he began to pursue God based on what was going on around him, and God revealed to him, yes, this is the generation of, of my wrath, the generation of my uh, judgment, and I'm revealing it to you, Noah. Things not yet seen, right? He was warned of what was coming, not seen. In other words, the word not seen means it wasn't discerned by those in his day as, as it is not being discerned now, man. I mean, look, we're talking about Noah because Jesus told us to, to, to talk about him and to search him and to study him. In Noah's time, no one was discerning what was actually going on except Noah. And there's reasons why, because God revealed it to him. But it wasn't until he came to God, believed that he was, and then pursued God with all his heart. And it was in that pursuit, in the midst of everything that was falling apart around him, he suddenly had something revealed to him. He understood that, that it was in his day. And, and look, man, in the church circle of our times, man, People can't see what's happening. We were talking about this off air. People can't see what's right. happening yet. <laughs> They're not diligently right. seeking God. That's why. That's that's incredible. And and and, and that's what's being revealed here. Is that it, it's really incredible because, like you said, brother, because it it 
the, the whole trip that's happening right now in our time, all it's doing to to the church that that has no clue is making it more and more numb and asleep. Yes. But then there's a but remember uh, what we've been learning about Noah. Remember this: he was just, he was perfect, and he was walking with God. Right? Genesis six eight and nine. These attributes were present in Noah's life before it was revealed that the flood was eminent, that judgment was eminent. And you know what, brothers, to me, one of the most tragic things that is happening right now, right now, in our times, just like in Noah's day, is that many in the church, just like Noah's brothers and sisters, right, many in the church have not prepared themselves they have not developed the, the kind of spiritual quality necessary to be in a position to hear from God. Right. All this trip that we've had these last hundred years, man, in America, the greatest opportunity to seek God, the most Bibles produced anywhere on the planet. You got satellite technology 24 hours a day, the gospel, you know, people talking about God here, right, left, and everywhere. And in that climate, Rather than becoming, uh, you know, mature believers in the pursuit of God so that we could understand what is tragic to me is that right now, like we were talking about this off air as well, where are the preachers? Where are the prophets right. calling the people to God? Where are the preachers of righteousness? Where are those that are, are, are saying, whoa, wait a minute, this is insane. We need to at least step back and reflect is god allowing this to happen to get our nobody's talking about anything because they right. don't have the spiritual quality necessary to seek him they don't know how to seek him brothers at the highest levels and i know what i'm talking about of, of ministry at the highest levels of religious establishment they have no idea how to seek god they're so caught up in their own little teachings and doctrines and kingdoms and offerings and glear jets and mansions and got to maintain my ministry and all that stuff that in the most crucial time in this nation's history, in its 240-plus year history or more, they have no idea how to find answers from God because they have spent and wasted, along with the body politic, if you will, wasted the decades pursuing material gain and being caught up in the culture of the day. So when it comes now, it's almost like the days, and I don't mean to be preaching here, man, but it's almost like the days of Daniel right. chapter five, where, where Belshazzar uh, it, it calls for the, for the vessels of God's house and they're all sitting around having this party. And suddenly this finger appears, the finger of God, and it begins to write on the wall and no one can right. interpret it. And Daniel comes and says, you know what it's saying? It says that you have been weighed in the balance and you've been found wanting. That's what we see at the highest levels of ministerial establishment in this country and amongst these mega churches and, and all the way down. They've been found wanting. There are no answers. And so they've joined themselves to the current political protest of the day. They're caught in yes. the culture, right? They're numb. They're asleep. They have no discernment. They cannot hear. But Noah represents the few, brothers. He represents mm. the remnant. Yes. He represents the five wise virgins, right, of Matthew 25, 
the, the yeah. who have awoken to the midnight cry, man, they they have oil in their lamps, and so uh, the path before them is illuminated, and they are understanding that the bridegroom, the Lord Jesus, is soon to appear, and it and it is quite possible that we've entered into those days of sorrow that are going to give way to this tribulation period that is going to give way to this antichrist system, which is well on its way right now. Wow. They understand. Noah represents the few, right? The remnant, those who have allowed God by his Holy Spirit to develop them well in advance of these days we find ourselves in now. That's what God's been speaking to my heart, brothers, is that is that my people have fallen away and they have spent decades leading up to this moment of crisis in this country and around the world in the pursuit of worldly pleasures. And they've taken my house and turned it into a, a community center where they exchange their business cards and oogle over each other's wives and compete with each other's families and what they attain. And, and they've heaped to themselves teachers having itching ears. And so now yeah. in this moment of crisis, they can't hear a thing. They don't even know how to even look for me. Right. See, the, the, yeah, the, bre the briefers. Sorry, Pastor. No, no, go, go ahead, but I, I'll go after you. I'll, I'll follow you. Uh, I was saying, I was thinking, you know, everything that you're talking about, how the church has gone numb, the preachers are asleep. You know, we were speaking about uh, how the preachers that were standing with the president and had open invitations to the White House, they don't want nothing to do with that now. Right? They're, <laughs> yeah, they're, 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 right. Well, yeah, they're, they're, it, it doesn't profit them anymore. You know, to stand with the president and, and, you know, you know how everybody views the president. It's, it's not convenient. So what are they doing now? They're talking about race relations. You know, they went from from going right to going left, you know. <laughs> and again, <laughs> yeah. and again it's, 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 it's the spirit of the age, right? That, that's, that's, and this is what we have to understand. You know, what took, again, what took place? You know, with the death of, of, of the man, it, it was horrendous, you know. But at the end of the day, the Bible, the Bible makes a, a distinction between, only between Jews and Gentiles. That's yeah. it, right? And he came to make, of those two, one. We are to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we belong to, that the, the sinners all came from one race. Adam's fallen race. That's it. Yes. We're not supposed to be preaching this or that or whatever the hot topic of the day is. That tells us that they are asleep because they can't see what's really taking place in our nation. Like, like we said earlier, you know, we said it in, in, in past podcasts, we spoke about how there would be a divide in the church and the apostate church will go further into apostasy and the remnant church will arise, right? The Lazarus, a remnant would arise, and and, yes. and 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 what and we're seeing it right now, in a, in a span of like two months. It's, incredible, it's full fledged, incredible, right? But again, yes. it, the the preachers can't see. It tells me that that these are the days of Noah. Yes, the fact that all these things are taking place, but God is speaking to a Noah-like generation, yes. and they are seeing things, right? Praise God, yes. Right. Brother Jeremy? Yeah, uh, yeah, and, and also, when 
when you study the life of Noah, the caliber, the level of, how do you say this? You know, when we spoke about him, we just finished speaking about him over seven days, about the type of life that he set himself to live. He, the Bible says, calls him that, God says him that he was just, perfect, walk with God. These are characteristics and these are things that the preachers don't want to talk about it because it puts the pressure on them. Can't speak about holiness and, and you know and the way that Noah walked and conducted himself in, in the very hour. But that's the very thing, and that's he's a type of the church too, which is who Christ is coming for. And and yes. and, and, and preachers today don't want to be confronted, they don't want to preach that because then it's gonna require it of them. And like you said, they have their own agenda. So another another aspect of it is that they don't want to, they don't like the pressure of the type of life that Noah lived in his generation. Incredible. So you know that that that's another aspect of it. Absolutely, and you know, like we were saying, you know, to me, Noah represents the few, the remnant. You know, again, those who I think, you know, what God is saying, that, that they have allowed God by his Holy Spirit to develop them. Yet. This has been over That's time, true. like you just said, just, perfect, and walking with God, those three components that you mentioned. These are things that are developed, not overnight. And remember, when right. God set the final decree that there would be 120 years and then the judgment would come, uh, Noah was alive in that time frame. He was already 500 years old, right? So uh, according to the scripture in, in, in uh, Genesis chapter 5, the last verse there, he's 500 years old. And then God issues a decree. So within that 120 years, he, he has, uh, he, he, it is noted in verse 8 and 9 that the qualities that he possessed before the warning, before he was told, you know, these, that is what is all wrapped up in verse 6 of Hebrews chapter 11 that we're reading, right? By faith he that come, uh, it is impossible to please God without faith for he that cometh to God. That coming to God process, that moving by the Spirit, is where uh, his justice was developed. And we talked about the Hebrew word for just there means not only how he conducted himself outwardly, but how he really was on the inside, so both outward and inward, he's a consecrated vessel to God. But it is the times, the situations, the drawing of the Spirit, and the continued diligent pursuit of God himself that develops those things. That's why John talks about, you know, when we see him, when we really see Jesus, we're going to be just like him, right? And, and it's the same in our walk until we actually see him physically. As we see him in the word, as we see him in our pursuit of him, as we see him in our prayer, in our worship, it's not something that you add to yourself. It becomes you. He grows on the inside of you. The sheer force of knowing him, which is the truth, sets us free. It's the cumulative beat or, or, or blow, if you will, on, on the hard exterior of a life lived up until the point that we surrender to the Lord for our own pursuit, our own desires, and our own flaws. Once we make that adjustment and and believe that He is, then He begins to, to to work on us and turn us into that just person, justified by Christ in us, the hope of glory, and then perfect, right? Which we talked about without spot and blemish. Many people, when you talk about holiness and living in a particular way. 
they immediately uh, hang the, the, the label on you of religious. But that's only because they don't understand what you're really saying. Holiness is not something that we bring to God as a badge of honor for his approval. Holiness is a direct result of the Spirit of God having full control of your life and manifesting his will, his light, his love through your yielded soul and your body as a vessel or a tool in his hand to reflect the light of the one who saved you and now lives on the inside of you and me. And so Noah represents the few, right? Those who have allowed God by his Holy Spirit to develop them. That's what we're talking about. And he was developed well in advance. And there are those that are hearing from God all over the world right now. And they have, they have been shut away with God and they understand these times. They understand the days that we're living in now. You, you, I, you guys, like me, you, you get those letters from China. Those brothers have been telling us for years what was coming. They were warning right. the American church. How did they know that? Because they've been shut away with God, and they were pleading with us, and they're pleading with us now. As a matter mm -hmm. of fact, uh, I read a letter my wife gave me yesterday, and then you sent it to me too, Brother Jeremy, where uh, uh, the, 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 the Chinese church sent a letter via email saying, you know, tell the American church they need to seek God, <laughs> right? Yeah, and, right. And he said, not just read his word like you're you're eating some little snack or tidbit. He says, don't think you're going right. to get anything from God. He said, you need to diligently pursue him on a daily basis in prayer and study of the word. See, now, when you talk to a compromised Christian about these kinds of things, it sounds like a burden. It sounds too heavy. It's not, well, what are you doing? I mean, what do right. you think this is all about? The right. very soul of existence of your, your, your person, who you are, is in the balance. You're being called right. to an, an eternal weight of glory, of the pristine expression and the ultimate outworking of the counsel of the Creator, His Son, and the Holy Spirit together, a world that we're being invited to wherein there is no unrighteousness or sin. Do you think he's going to let you in that way? Are you kidding me? This is the proving ground. This is the training ground. This is the, yes. the limited amount of time that you have on this earth from the moment you're born to the moment you take your last breath. That's it. This is your test right now. And if you're going right. to spend yourself in pursuit of heaping to yourselves uh, whatever it is that's, that suits the fancy of the of the appetites of your flesh, and don't be surprised what happens when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ. I know that's heavy, but it's life to see. You know, we, many Christians are, are, are winging it right now. You know, think about it, you know, and, and I know Jeremiah can attest to this in college, right? So many people, mm -hmm. you can wing it all you want in class, but at the end when the exam comes, when the test comes, <laughs> We'll know. We'll know if you have it. And that's the same thing now. You're winging it. All right. You think you're going to make it. We'll see what happens when the testing comes. It shall right. reflect. It shall reveal your character. It, shall, it mm. shall reveal. Yes, people don't want to hear this, but it's going to reveal if you're really walking with God. If you really, right. if you really have a relation, if you really know who He is, not because somebody told you, not because you, what you hear on a sermon or, or dialogue that you have on a Sunday. No, do you know Him? You better know Him because you're not gonna make it. You're not gonna be able to wing it in this time. You either gotta right. get a hold, get a hold of God, 
or or else we are not simply we're not going to make it. And remember what Jesus so, said, right? Jesus told us that he said, he said, look, if those days weren't, if it were possible, he said in Matthew chapter twenty-four, yes. verse fifteen, if it was possible, the very elect would be deceived. And he said, because the iniquity shall abound, the love of many will wax cold; it'll wane. The onslaught yes. of what we see happening now is going to increase greater than we've ever known before. You think it's bad now? It's right. going to get worse. Just give it a few weeks. Yeah. Give it, it might happen tomorrow. Who knows? <laughs> it's coming. Yeah. Jeremiah, were you going to say something? I was just going to add that it's so true. Like, you know, if you're not, if you're just winging it, you know, once judgment day comes, you're going to be like, man, I should have studied. You know, and this happens to me a few times. Even I'll be in class and I won't pay attention for most of the semester. I get to finals week, and it is the most stressful week of my life because I'm like, man, <laughs> I did not study at all. And and that's the thing. It's a lot of people don't want to pay the price to to study. You know, a lot of people don't want to pay the price, and and that's why when Jesus talks to talks to the people, right? Remember, there's a story where where these, a bunch of these, these Gentiles and these Greeks are like, well, yo, we're going to follow Jesus, this and that. And he tells them, okay, you want to follow me? He says, count up the cost before you follow me. And right. and I think a lot of people don't, I think a lot of people, when they count up the cost, they realize like, wow, like I actually have to, to give up a lot more. You know, and, and think about someone like we're talking about Noah, like he counted up the cost before. He's like, they're going to think I'm crazy because it hardly ever rains. I'm going to build this 40-something, 400-foot-long arc, you know, battleship, <laughs> the Titanic before the Titanic. They're going to think I'm crazy. They're going to mock me. They're going to ridicule me. But none of that matters because what awaits me on the other side of the storm is far greater than what I have to go through now. And I think That's if awesome. we start living life like that and we just start seeing things like that, we stop looking in the natural. Like, yeah, it's going to hurt all the hatred and things like that. But that's nothing compared to the new heaven and new earth that, that is awaiting us, the glory of eternity that's awaiting us. And um, I, I think it, it's so, you know, I think once you live your life like that, you know, then you begin to live life with greater purpose. And, and pretty much nothing else matters but Jesus Christ. And, and, you know, to all of our listeners out there as well, you know, that you're hearing this, I feel like a lot of them are caught in the middle. You know, they're caught in the middle between between really living for God truthfully and living for God wholeheartedly and sincerely or, or just winging it. You know, I heard somebody say this. He said, he said, if I'm wrong about God, then I will have just wasted my time here on earth. He says, but if I'm right about God, which I am, and you're wrong about the existence of God and things like that, you're gambling with your eternity because there's either two places you're going to end up. You're either going to end up in eternity with God or an eternal separation and suffering away from God. And that's something that I'm not willing to take a gamble on. And so I'd rather be here believing in God because I know God is real. And that, that really has to go with what you guys are saying, you know, and really just, just as you're caught in the middle, just really count up the cost and see, is it really worth it to have everything on this earth, but lose everything in the end? and lose the very soul, your very life? Or is it worth it to go through a little trial here, but in the end gain something far greater and gain a life that you could have never imagined? And so to the listeners, I really just want to encourage you just to think like that. 
and, and really begin to live your life like that, that there's something far greater that awaits, that there's a greater hope inside of each and every one of us. It's the hope of eternity with Christ. And um, I just wanted to add that in there. Praise God. Powerful words, man. It's, it's, it's almost like the Lord's facilitating, it's like the Lord's facilitating that, that uh, decision to be a lot easier for us. He's shaking everything. You yeah. know, it's like, right. <laughs> what, what yeah. is, what what is sure can... right now? What mm-hmm. is sure right now? Your, your 401k, your social security, you know, the money in the bank, you know, yeah. I mean, your job, <laughs> you know, the, the supermarkets, you know, they're bare to the bones almost, a lot of them. Yeah. I mean, what's what's sure? it going to take? Right. What's it going to take? Yeah. Yeah, but he said, yeah, heaven and earth shall pass away, but his word is the only thing that's sure. It's his right. word. And that's what Noah yeah. banked on when, when you know, and, and, and then the Lord came and he warned him. That's what he banked on, on, on his word. That's the only thing that will will outlast even this earth is his word. It will and what, remain. What you just, amen. And what you just said there, Brother Jeremy, is the Lord warned him. And and again, in line with what Brother Jeremiah was saying and what you're saying, and Brother Fernando, I mean that's that's what we're saying here, what we're seeing, is, and what we see in the Genesis account when Noah was actually warned, was that it, the warning or the privileged information about the reality of the times. Let me just say it that way: it didn't come to him until we see here in Hebrews chapter 11, Noah is a man that is diligently seeking and pursuing God Himself. I've got to know God in this time. Yes. I've got to get a hold of God. And and somewhere along the line, when that happened, when that quality was evident and part of the fruit of his life as a certainty, like not like Je- like Jeremiah was saying, not like you know wishy washy in the middle. I mean, this is all in. You know, I mean, this is mm-hmm. this is the work of the Spirit of God and grace in the in the heart of a person. But but it is the allowing of the Spirit of God to work in you that way, work in me that way, that brings us to this. And in the in the context of what we're talking about, which is what Jesus told us to do, which was to study the things of Noah, so that we could understand the time frame we were living in. We see that one of the qualities that is required here is that diligent pursuit of God. It's a worship. Yeah. It's a hunger, it's a craving, it's a desire, and, and and it's in that then he's warned. Then the privileged information is given to him, which implies that, that those who don't seek him that way will have no idea. That's what Daniel said, right, in the book of Daniel when Mike, uh, Gabriel the archangel was talking to him. He said, look, none of the wicked are going to understand what's going on in your time, in the end time. He said the wise are going to understand, but none of the wicked are. And he wasn't talking about the world. He was talking about the wicked amongst his own house. And this is what happened with Noah, right? And this is what's happening now. I believe that like Noah, you know, like we were just saying, he represents that remnant. And 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 they have been being developed by God. They have been being they have a consistent prayer life. They have a real relationship with Jesus. They have been seeking God. And so these times have come upon us. I don't know anyone that can actually say, I knew this was going to happen. But what we do right. have is that it is happening. And and we're not like a, a ship without a sail or a rudder or an engine. 
the word of God because we know by the Holy Spirit who has trained his remnant church or his believing church, they know how to get a hold of him. And he will speak and reveal what is actually happening. <clears throat> so to me, it's like, like, like Noah, like God did to Noah, he's begun to warn his church, his true church around the world. That indeed, our times, brother, they're not like any time that has been before us since the days of Noah. And truly, there's a deep sense in the hearts of the true church, an understanding in their minds that it is beginning. Listen, it's a deep sense. Let me say that again. In the hearts of, of his church, of his people, and you know who you are. And you're beginning to understand in your mind and your heart that something has begun, that judgment has begun. Now, listen, this truth is not going to be understood by the compromise, man, this modern church that's fallen away. It's just not going to be understood. They just stand confused, and they really can't wrap their minds, their spirits around what they are seeing with their own eyes. And in our country, right, in our country, they are, uh, to me, they're most confused because they've hitched their ark, if you will, to men, to politics, and to incorrect theology. They've put their hope in things that cannot float. <laughs> right. just, I mean, it ain't going to float, man. With this onslaught that's begun, people are sinking. These these preacher boys are sinking. They're grasping at straws. These mega church pastors, these big ministries, and everything in between that's built itself on a boat that has holes in it, on cisterns that are broken that hold no water. They have no answers. But, but see, God revealed, and when these things began to be revealed to Noah, it says he moved with fear, right? Having what was coming revealed, Noah responds uh, by going even deeper, brother. And that's what this is designed to do for his church right now. Go deeper. Go deeper now. You know what's going on. Yeah, it's kind of like, I, I don't know. You know, is it really happening? How much more? Like Brother Fernando is just laying it out, man. I mean, you got a collapsing economy. You've got a debt that won't be paid for 500 years, man. We've printed almost $13 trillion. I mean, think of that. Yeah. That's just the economic aspect of it. And you, like you said, there's grocery stores that are running out of supplies. They're talking about the new supply chain July 15th that's really going to hit. We're going to see a lot of things out of the stores because it's going to catch up. Uh, you're talking about uh, 40 million people. Just, I'm just talking about America now. Out of work. You've got uh, violence in the streets. You've got burning down buildings. You've got cops killing people and people killing cops. You've got uh, a roving mob all over the world trying to destabilize the governments of the world. Chaos, mayhem. It's the end of the world as we know it. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and yeah. yet and yet they don't get it. We keep waiting for like we were talking about before, the NBA season to start. I wonder if they're gonna play baseball. I can't wait for Brady to throw another pass, man. Have you lost your <laughs> mind? <laughs> it ain't right. going back. It ain't going back the way it was. 
And, and, and the sooner you get your head around that, the sooner you'll be able to really settle it within your spirit. And, and, and I'll settle it within my spirit. We better do what Noah did. We know what's happening. It's hard to wrap your head around it. I know. But it's happening. How much more? Brother Jeremy talked about it at the beginning of the podcast. We've got an entire wall of sand and dust being blown off of the Sahara Desert that they say is coming to the United States. It'll be here by Wednesday. And it's wow. going it's, it's to sweep over the Bible Belt. Incredible. Wow. Wow. Not but, to mention the, the hurricane season. Right. That hasn't even gotten started. Yeah. And we're headed into this presidential election. Boy, if I were you, yeah. I'd get, get get me some supplies and just sit at your house because it's going to get dangerous out there. I'm telling you. I'm telling yeah. you. Listen, they changed. I won't go. Noah was moved with fear. And, and having, you know, what was coming revealed to him, he responds by 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 going even deeper in his consecration. That's what the word move with fear means. It means to be like Brother Jeremy said earlier, to be circumspect. Listen to this. It means to act very cautiously. If you and I don't realize just how dangerous it is out there right now, you know, I come from a little town, you know, uh, uh, my wife does actually comes from a little town, and some knucklehead in that town called up Black Lives Matter, and, and I ain't got nothing against all you Black Lives Matter people, <laughs> so don't come looking for me. I'm just saying. But what came with the Black Lives Matter people were a bunch of Antifa people into this little town of like a couple thousand people. Mm-hmm. He invited, he invited it into trying to be all woke, as they say. Are you insane? <laughs> You know, and and, uh, and and this is going all over the country. This is happening everywhere, and not just our country, but the whole world. And they're dangerous, and they're coming after Christians, and they're coming after Jews. Anyone who believes in God, they're going to come after you. Remember what Jesus said, not only the days of Noah, but the days of Lot. And what right. we saw, what, right, what happened to Lot. Go ahead, brother, what were you going to say? No, no, you sent that video uh, yesterday of some preacher going to this, uh, what do they call Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone in Seattle, the, that piece of... Uh, Chaz. Uh, um It's called Chaz, right? Um, they, they they just completely got this, some part of downtown, I imagine, they're controlling. And, yes. and some preacher went in there and they were choking them and kicking them and, and just... You know, and, and uh, one had him through a chokehold, and and he said, "How does it feel to be kissed by a homosexual?" And I was Wait, like, "Wow, that's that's days of Sodom right there." Days of Sodom, you know? right? So yeah, oh, I saw uh, a little bit. That's incredible, and I, and that's where we're at, and that's why Noah was moved with fear. See, this was information God was yeah. giving him on how to act. Right? He said, "You be circumspect. You act cautiously." Be very careful right now, he said, because as we get closer to, to to what's coming, you know, and then the ultimate judgment of God, he's literally saying, you better be very careful. Be very aware. That's what that means, to be aware. He was moved with circumspection and cautious, caution and, and, and awareness of his surroundings. 
Open our eyes, dear Lord, so we can see, right? So we can see. And most importantly, moving with fear means that he drew closer to God. He set his sights on eternal things. It's almost laughable but tragic at the same time that we have to encourage Christians to set your sights on things above, to set our sights on eternity, to to, to look toward that world that Jeremiah was just talking about, the eternal world. How insane is it that we have to, like, encourage our brethren that this world is passing away and you better set your sights on things above. And so he prepares them, right? (laughs) He prepares an ark. That's what it says. He was moved with fear and then he makes preparation. The word prepared literally means to, uh, to be prepared in advance, right? We know what's coming. We see what's happening. He's commanding us to walk circumspectly, to be cautious, to be aware of what's going on around you. Pay attention. Don't stick your set head in the sand. Uh, or, or, and don't just spend 24-7 watching Fox News. <laughs> Open your Bible, man. You know? <laughs> Study the prophet. Right. Uh, you know, get, you know, make yourself informed. Dig deep. Look what's happening all over the world. Be cautious. Be circumspect. Be aware. And you, and it literally means uh, to to be uh, prepared both naturally and spiritually, with everything necessary to get you through what's coming. Understand, our very families are at stake. That's what the Lord was speaking to my heart and has been speaking to my heart for quite some time now. Our very families are at stake, just like in Noah's day. You might be the only one that's awake, right? I mean, your actions will cause your loved ones to follow you, though. When they see the quality, consistent pursuit of God in your life, they're going to get it, and they're going to see. And, 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 And Noah's family followed him all the way into that ark. It doesn't say they all sought God diligently. Noah did. But they saw enough of quality and glory and, 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 and light on their father Noah. They followed him all the way to safety. He prepared an ark to the saving of his house. For the deliverance, the preservation, and the rescue of his wife, his sons, his daughters. And by doing this, he condemned the world. That word condemned means to render another's wickedness more evident. They were lights in their generation. The very life that they lived exposed and testified to the wickedness of the culture around them. You want to know why we have the kind of conditions we have here in this country? It's because of decades of the failure of the pseudo-Christian church to make a difference between us and the world. There is no difference for the most part. God always has his people, though. And and like he had Noah and his family, the very act of the way he lived condemned the world because it spoke of a different way. It spoke of a better way. It spoke of a world and of a salvation that is promised because he becomes the heir of righteousness, which is by faith, right? And our righteousness is of Christ. We are saying by the mere uh, example that we live, the God that we talk about, the way that we care for our, our wives, our children, our families, our loved ones, whatever it may be, our neighbors, by by the shunning of, of all that this world is trying to push on us, whether it's 
it's their transgender agenda or it's the drag queen story hour or it's painting the the white house in all the rainbow colors of, of perversion and occultism we reject such a thing and we stand up as a different example to this world and the preparations and the way that we conduct ourselves, what we're being told and what is being revealed to those who hear from God is that, yes, it has begun. And in the coming days, you're going to see it's going to get worse. And if you wait till then to wrap your head around it, it'll be too late. Because there's something about when you hear the word and you don't respond to it correctly because you've been in, in this this cultural, relevant, and embracing situation with your pseudo-Christianity for so long that just like Lot's wife, even though she was being taken out and had the opportunity to be uh, rescued, she just couldn't get, you could get her out of Sodom, but you couldn't get Sodom out of her, and she turned back. It's incredible. But we know that he's coming to judge this world. He's coming to rescue his children, and that's why he told us to pay attention to Noah, and as it was in the days of Noah, right? So, you know, I think let, let, let's seek the Lord while there's still time, man, because the night has already begun to approach, brothers and sisters, man. The shadows are growing long, just like Jeremiah said. The days are far spent, right? The days are far spent, and, and what we do now, we must do quickly yes i encourage you right i encourage you don't think uh that okay this is over and and i can go back to life as usual you better prepare you think the shortages brother fernando talked about or you know the 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 kinds of things we've been talking about today uh you can take it for whatever you want but i know what god is putting in my heart prepare we have a little window right now i'm talking to the spiritually discerning you get what you got to get you do what you got to do right now. And 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 what's the worst that that happens? So you eat rice for the next 10 years. Who cares? <laughs> I mean, right. I mean, right. Prepare prepare for your wife, for your children, for your loved ones, for your neighbors, for your families. These times are serious and they're only going to get worse. We have never seen anything like this. And those of you who are older than me and I'm almost 60, you know we have not seen this kind of condition on a global scale like we're seeing right now. And Jesus said to his church alive at that time, understand, the days are ahead and I am coming soon. Do you hear his voice? Are you longing for his return? As it was in the days of Noah, Jesus said, so shall it be when the Son of Man returns. That's all I got to say, brother. Anything else? That's all she wrote. Amen. All she wrote. (laughs) 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 On that happy note. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, my brothers and sisters and and, and to our listeners, I mean, what other signs do we need? I mean, I think God is is speaking. It's pretty clear. We We are at the end. We are at the final frontier. This is where it's all going to culminate very soon. You know, get your house in order. Get your house in order while you still have an opportunity. The Lord loves you. 
There's no sin too big that God cannot cleanse you, forgive you. There's no bondage too big that God cannot break in your life. There's nothing impossible for God. But just come to him. Let him draw you unto himself. He's calling you by name. He's pulling and tugging at your heart. He's saying, come. Don't leave tomorrow what you can do today. He is here with open arms. There's nothing, nothing, nothing to, that's impossible for God. Allow him to draw. Allow him to get a hold of your life. Come to him. Humble yourself while there is still an opportunity. The Lord loves you. And we're so grateful for this series uh, that, that we have been on as the days of Noah. We have gleaned so much. We pray that you have been blessed. Who knows in the future we may come back to this story, but uh, I believe God has spoken to us, and we pray that you are encouraged. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you and keep looking up.